this verse one we're singing tonight is, Oh, come all ye faithful.
you like to take a seat? Uh, we're going to have a reading from Luke chapter 2. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shot around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things up and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Would you stand with us and sing uh, this next song, Oh Holy Night?
This next one we're going to sing is one I'm sure we all know it's Silent Night. I'm Craig, I'm one of the pastoral team here, and it's a pleasure to welcome you tonight. And if you're from outside of the Bay of Plenty, outside of Tauranga, we welcome you to Bethlehem. I think on nights such like this, we feel this real sense in which um, uh, the space between heaven and earth is, is rarefied, is thin. You get that feeling? When we sing these ancient songs together and remind ourselves of what a, a wonderful story it is that we share over this Christmas period. And tonight, what I'm going to do is essentially take uh, you're on a little journey, a parallel journey with the story that we often hear about, of course, at Christmas, the birth of Christ. But it's a part of a story which is a bigger family story. And tonight we're going to look at uh, how it is that other members of 
Mary and Joseph's family shaped their faith. Because we are all looking at this story and we're all wondering ourselves, could this be true? Could this be true? Could this story of 2,000 years ago uh, actually have taken place in real time with real people? And I think when we look at the scriptures and we see the story around the story, we find ourselves reflected there. We find ourselves asking the same questions as those did thousands of years ago. So one of the things about um, this story, of course, is that uh, uh, it generates for us questions and it generates for us faith. Now, when we're born, we're not born with an adult faith. We're born with a childlike faith, which is trust. Trust in what we're told around us. But then as we grow, we grow into different looking people, don't we? We grow into people with brown eyes and brown hair or blue eyes and blonde hair. But we don't necessarily grow in a maturity to faith without having evidence building around us and growing in confidence of what the world describes to us as the handprints of a creator. And so tonight, as we look at this story, we're going to remind ourselves that God came into our world and he came in at a very, very vulnerable level. He came in as a baby child in humility and therefore ingratiated himself in the most, almost impossible of ways to become a king who would change the world forever. So let's have a look at this story. And we're going to start by looking at uh, Jesus' other relatives, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who happened to be the mother and father of another person in the scriptures at the same period of time called John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And it happened that John the Baptist was born just six months ahead of Jesus. And we're going to see how these stories tie together. And they help this young, somewhat innocent, somewhat naive, but definitely humble young woman called Mary come to grips with the fact that this child called Jesus, the Son of God, was going to be conceived by her. And uh, that whole wow factor of could this be true is something that we want to discover afresh tonight. So let's have a look as the story starts with Elizabeth and her pregnancy uh, of John the Baptist. Luke's Gospel records for us. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. So, wow, it's a pretty big introduction, isn't it? Hi, I'm an angel. You're a virgin. You're going to have a child, and this child's going to do great and wondrous things. Well, of course, the questions come flooding into our minds. If I was maybe Mary, I'd be asking the question, um, how is this child of mine going to be mighty? How is this child of mine going to be um, reigning on King David's throne? How is this child of mine going to rule the descendants of Jacob? Jacob being um, the first name that was given to a guy whose name was changed by God from Jacob to Israel. So Jesus is being, Mary's being told that her son would rule over Israel. 
And not only that, but his reign would never end. It'll be eternal. And so these questions I would be asking, but Mary comes back to the very, very first question, the simplest of questions, and says, hold on, before we go any further, before I have a child, just remember, I haven't slept with a man. Okay? There's a problem here. I cannot be with child unless this happens to the best of my understanding. And so, of course, Mary brings this question straight back to the angel. And here we find her reasoning, reasoning and understandably so, about how this pregnancy is going to occur. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. No word from God will ever fail. That's what the angel says. And there were some pretty massive words being said here tonight. And of course, Mary's mind would have been starting to process all this information. Not only is she being told she's going to be pregnant, but this child of hers is going to be something outstanding. And my old relative, my old cousin called Elizabeth, who's way past childbearing age, is, I've just been told, six months pregnant. So Mary, of course, starts to add this together. And she's looking for the evidence because... The question she wants to answer is, could this be true? Could this be true? Mary, in her last words, with the angel, told that she would seek out more evidence. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So straight away, what we're seeing here is Mary's looking for evidence. Could this be true? Now, it sounds like she just went down the road and saw her, uh, her, her relative, but Judea and Galilee were 150, potentially 200 kilometers apart. So this wasn't just a whoop down the road to see if, uh, see if the old girl was pregnant or not. This is a, a, a race uh, for faith. This is a journey for hope. And so she gets into a place where she gets to this village and she's trying to Find out if all these promises that are being made to her are true. And here's the first lot of evidence. If my cousin, Elizabeth, is pregnant, then maybe this is more than just a bad dream that I've experienced. You see, Mary's whole life experience is one of having listened to and grown up with the stories of her people. And uh, the, the people of Israel have over 1,500 years' worth of story recorded in the Old Testament, the, the Bible. And there you find that there's these stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the descendants, these stories of Moses, these stories of Noah. All of these stories start to build this uh, impenetrable wall, if you like, a watertight wall of faith. Because this is the God who was, the God of history, and this is the God who did, the God who was and did. And so you can imagine a circle that's half built, a circle of faith. But there's another part to having faith because there is also the God who is and the God who does. That's the one who's present today and now and into the future. It's all very well to have faith in the ancestors and the stories of old. 
And Mary was quite content with those. But now all of a sudden, this story has become her story. And now she has to test it because for it to be real, it has to be real to her experience. Not just real to somebody else's experience and passed on in a story. So, of course, Mary hurries to Elizabeth. And when she gets there, things start to become miraculous again. And here's a lovely little painting of these two women greeting one another. And uh, you can see Mary putting her hand on Elizabeth's stomach there, saying, wow, it's real. It's true. In your old age, you've, you've conceived a child with your husband, Zechariah. This is amazing. So here the story continues, and we find more divine activity occurring now. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, this means that in this moment, you better lean in because some divine things are happening here. This isn't just Mary, uh, Elizabeth talking. This is God talking through Elizabeth. In a loud voice, she proclaimed or exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So immediately, God is present here because without understanding that whole story of why this young child Mary had turned up Elizabeth immediately says to her why am I so favored that you would come and visit me the mother of my Lord here's a woman potentially 60 70 years old having her first child looking at this young teenage woman we we, we suppose maybe 14 15 16 years old and she's saying to her, why am I so favoured that you would come to me? And so there's a whole lot of divine interactions going there. And not only that, but the child within her womb leaps for joy at the presence of, of Mary. And there's something going on, maybe, there between the two children that are yet to be born. And it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. And then Elizabeth says to Mary, Blessed is she who has believed that her Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So, for Mary to expect this, this whole thing to be real, must have been a huge shift for her. A young woman who knows the story, knows the history of her people, and knows that somewhere in time the prophets have spoken and said there will come a time when the Christ, the Messiah, God's Son, would be revealed. And then to find herself in the middle of this drama is a truly outstanding thing for any person to experience. And for Mary, she responds by looking back at the story and looking back at her people and realizing that it's potentially true that she could be swept up in this divine story, this divine drama that is going to usher in a whole new period of time for the nation of Israel and for the world. And it just could happen that she becomes the intersection of God's plan between heaven and earth, a place, a position, a point of reference where heaven meets earth, and that happens in her womb. So Mary carries on. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. When we look at these words, we think, wow, that's sort of not the usual thing you'd say about yourself, eh? You know, God's been really mindful of his humble servant. That's me. 
And uh, from now on, all people are going to rise and call me blessed. That's me. The only reason you can say that is if you are humble and the story is true. And I'd like to think that it's as simple as that. You see, the thing is that if you are humble, you're allowed to say you're humble because you know you're humble. And if you're blessed, you're allowed to announce that and say, well, if this is really true, if the Savior is being born through my womb, then definitely I'll be part of this story. Because as my good friend John Douglas says, he was born where his mother was. And so it was with Jesus. You see, Mary is an intricate part of this story. And, uh, and that's a huge part of what I want to leave us with tonight. Because Mary's confidence is in the God who was and did. And this is where our own story begins. This is where our own story is. We look at the God who's brought us to this place tonight. The God who's been working in your life this year. The God who's working in your life this Christmas. That's the God who was and did. The God of your history, the God of your past. And now we're moving into a time with Mary. And tomorrow, as we know the story ahead of time, but we build that anticipation again to understand and rediscover the God who is and does, who's present and active. This is the one who Mary is discovering for herself. And so she describes this part of her own journey as one who's looking back. And let's listen to these words of Mary. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So Mary understood the God who was and did. And now she's part of this, this intersection of time where she becomes part of the process by God entering into her womb to bring a child called Jesus to become the God who is and does in her life and in ours. And so on this Christmas Eve, with anticipation afresh in our heart, hearts for, the, for this story, we again are allowed to enter into the same place that Mary was and ask that same question, could this be true? Let me pray for us. For those of us, Lord, with great faith, for those of us with doubt, Lord, we thank you that you meet us where we're at because you're the God who builds the story. You confirm the story in the same way that you did for Mary. You meet us where we are at, and then you interrupt our lives and say, this is true for you. This is true for you, that Christ would be born and change the world, that Christ would be born in each one of us as faith arises. As we go from those of childlike faith or little faith to rediscover the story that God has intersected our planet, intersected our lives and changed this world forever in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And so today, tonight, we celebrate as a large part of the whole world stops and remembers this woman who was blessed. And we remember her name just as the scriptures said. 
And we call her blessed because she gave to us Jesus, the Son of God. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Awesome. We've got two more songs for tonight. So why don't you stand to your feet and join us as we sing Joy to the World. Hey, thanks, uh, Craig, for that awesome message this evening. And thank you very much um, for being here uh, with us tonight. Uh, before, before we close, we just want to let you know that we've got um, a gift for you tonight. We've got cake. Who's into cake? Yeah? Just to set the appetite started for tomorrow, all right? We just want to set you up right. So we've got cake, we've got coffee and tea afterwards. Uh, two things. Tomorrow morning, if you're not doing anything, we've got two services. We've got a 9 a.m. service and a 10 a.m. service, and we'd love uh, to see you here. So I'll hand over to the band for our final song. Bless you, and God protect you and keep you safe as you travel uh, this evening and over the holidays. Amen. Feel free to sing and dance along to this one. Feliz Navidad.
心。